This is your favorite podcaster, Romina, and you just tuned in to RM Podcast FL. Hello, my beautiful people, and welcome back to RM Podcast FL. This is your favorite podcaster, Romina. First, I want to thank you so, so much, guys, for tuning in and investing your time to our show. And before we do get started, I just want to remind you guys to visit www.connectwithromina.com, and that's spelled R-O-M-I-N-A. We do have a new project coming out soon and everybody can benefit from it. So make sure to go ahead and subscribe to our website, you guys, so you do not miss out. Again, www.connectwithromina.com. Perfect. You done that? If not, make sure to go ahead and look at on the notes, you guys. It will be one click away. It's very simple. So. As we all know, I am super duper passionate about sales and negotiations, and today's guest speaker, it's actually right up my alley. <laughs> Mike Maccarelli joined the sales world while back, and recently I ran into his blog, and I love it, you guys. As a negotiation nerd, I was super intrigued with the way he would break down movie scenes, current sport events and events from his career with negotiation steps and see how the clothes was dropped or how somebody did deeper questioning or use icebreakers. Typically, these are stuff that we do not really pay a lot of attention on the first look, but Mike actually takes his time and talks about all these factors which are super duper important into a successful negotiation and to closing a deal. So if you are into sales, negotiations, or leadership, or even just want to learn new analytical skills, I would definitely suggest you to click on the episode notes and check out his blog, Saving Face, Sales, Negotiations, and Leadership. And during this episode, we talk about his path to the sales world and how to lead a sales team and create a healthy, competitive environment and help others. It is very important to make sure that the competition within a team, it is healthy. And we actually also touch base on how you can help and coach alpha characters and beta characters. I know sometimes alphas do not really need a lot of motivation because they are alphas. They just go for it. But we actually touch base on this topic as well and things that you need to do also with beta characters towards helping them achieve their goals and helping them make sure they are going on the right path. So, without losing any time, let's dive in into today's episode and make sure to also connect with Mike on LinkedIn, you guys. There is nothing else for me to say, but enjoy! Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in to RM Podcast FL and investing your time to our podcast today. My guest today is Michael Maccarelli, and I'm super excited about this because we are both passionate about sales, and if you know me at all, I love sales and negotiations. So, (laughs) Michael, welcome to the podcast. How are you today? I'm doing great, Romina. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. So me and Michael, you guys connected a while back through the negotiation tribe with Dan Oblinger and Alan Singh. So if you do not join their Friday sessions, you absolutely should. It's very beneficial. But without losing any time, Michael, I want to pass on the mic to you. Tell us about Young YouTube today. Tell us how did you go at the current career that you have right now? Introduce yourself. Yeah. So uh, my name is Mike Maccarelli, and uh, I live right now in Westchester, New York, which is about 20 miles north of New York City. I've worked in sales for the past 
10 plus years uh, starting in retail. And how that came about was, you know, I graduated high school and I wasn't exactly sure what I wanted to do with my life. I knew I was going to go to college, uh, but it was kind of just a general studies degree at that point. And eventually I decided I wanted to be a history professor. But while I was going to school for that, I started working in retail and I found that I was really successful in the retail sales environment. And I think the two biggest reasons, one is I really enjoyed the customer service aspect of it interacting with people, helping people, just trying to give them a better experience while they were shopping, and the sales aspect of it. Um, I liked kind of motivating people to buy something that they wanted. And, you know, even the idea of kind of persuading or influencing them. And there was also a little bit of competition too. I found, you know, when my, uh, when my company would have sales contests, I would definitely uh, do everything I possibly could to win. I mean, um, the competition spirit, it's always a good pro to have when it comes to the sales world. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It definitely served me really well. So, uh, you know, that was my time in retail. And once I was finishing up college, I uh, kind of had a fork in the road in my life. And I realized that I needed to find, I guess, my quote unquote career. And uh, I didn't really know what I was going to do. I kind of was either going to find a job uh, or continue going to school and kind of further my education. And I decided at that point, I didn't want to further my education past an undergraduate degree. Um, and I was very lucky that my sister forwarded me the job listing uh, to Equinox as a sales representative. And I uh, read over it and I saw that it was a mix of customer service, a mix of sales, uh, marketing, um, a little bit of event planning, uh, all kinds of things that I guess salespeople do who, who really kind of own their own business. And I thought it was perfect for me based on the role and responsibilities of the job, but also the brand, which is a phenomenal brand. And uh, I went down and I applied and I got the job. And then for the first time in my life, I was, instead of being a retail employee being paid hourly, uh, doing sales kind of just for bragging rights, I, you know, I was on a commission-based sales job. And now that was going to be the majority of my income. And I had to sell uh, to really make the money that I wanted to. But the great thing was I had more opportunity than I had in retail, way more to make more money. And uh, I was very successful right off the bat. So that really helped uh, just kind of establish that this was such a great fit for me. And uh, about seven years later, I'm still with the company and now in a sales management role. And I spend time helping new salespeople learn sales, uh, learn how to establish and grow their own business and uh, not only survive, but thrive on commission. So let's talk about it for a second, because you go from hourly to commission, and I've done that multiple times before, especially when you have your own business, you are basically what you put in. Tell me about the process. Were you scared at first to leave the hourly guarantee to go to commission where you technically start from scratch every month? You know, I, I wasn't too scared, and I think that was probably because I was moving from a very kind of low bar. Um, you know, I was making a a, de a, a kind of decent amount hourly, but nothing special. And I didn't have, a, I had never had a, like a big base salary at that point. So even though it was commission, it was still so much more opportunity to make money. And I don't know, I kind of just uh, had a very optimistic confidence in myself that I would be able to make far more money. Um, I know it's definitely hesitation for a lot of people if they had been coming off of a base salary that provides a lot more security, but I was really focused on the opportunity. So let's talk about this for a second, because I know in the sales world, you can be commission only or you can be salary plus commission, like depending on the kind of job and depending on what you're actually trying to sell. So 
how can you negotiate since you're a sales expert how can you negotiate a base salary plus commission if you're going to a certain job and can you do that that's a great question i i personally think everyone should try I, I think, you know, base salary and commission gives the employer two different options as a way to compensate you. Um, and you kind of win either way, hopefully, because if you negotiate a good base salary, that's kind of automatically guaranteed. But if you negotiate commission, then that's more opportunity than you had for yourself than you did before. And I think it says a lot about you. I think it says a lot about your confidence. So, uh, yeah, I would, I would encourage everyone to to at least try. Um, you know, everything is negotiable. And even if it's not negotiable right away, hopefully you can establish that like right off the bat, you are looking for a more opportunity and you know, potentially you can revisit that conversation after you do start and crush it. I love how you say you revisit the conversation because a lot of people think once a contract is signed or once something is, you know, you have the final draft or you sign the first contract, they think that that's the final one. Like yeah. you can always revisit, like even contracts, let's start with the basics for personal usage, like utilities or, you know, like phone bill or cable bill. Like you can always revisit and save money. And that's where your negotiation skills can be used to yours, your personal, you know, expenses too. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, um, let's talk about this for a second, because you went from retail world to the sales world. And now you're a senior sales manager for Equinox. How was that transition for you? Because you can be a great salesperson, but to be a leader, that's that's a, a different ball game, and that doesn't come as easy for everyone. Did you struggle with it, or did you always have leadership skills on you? I, I did struggle with it. Uh, th that was truthfully a harder transition to me to uh, for me to go from a salesperson to a sales manager than it was to go from a retail employee on hourly to a commission-based sales employee. And I think there's a variety of reasons for that. Um, I think one of the biggest reasons is that you, just, you know, most people never really learn or are taught to become like a manager or a leader, you know, really to be able to kind of take the responsibility to guide other people um, and get results through other people. You know, even if, even if you have been taught, I think takes a lot of, I think it takes a little experience. and. I know right off the bat for me, I had to learn some things. I got some great advice right off the bat. And the best piece of advice that I probably got was uh, one of our executives at the company, uh, you know, in a very, very quick conversation, you know, gave me kind of like four things to focus on and they have served me to this day. Uh, but the biggest one that, that stands out is it's not about you anymore. So as a salesperson, you know, you're kind of, especially if you're a successful salesperson, you're like, you're kind of the star, you are the star of the show. Um, and, you know, usually on your team or where you're at, it's, it might not be all, hopefully it's not all about you, but like, you know, you're going to be receiving a lot of, of, of attention and positive reinforcement. And, you know, a lot of your wins are going to be celebrated. When you become a leader or a manager, you really have to forget about that and realize that, okay, even though if I'm successful in this role, it's not about me. My job is to shine the spotlight on others. My job is to celebrate and empower other people to make them feel that they're successful and also motivate and inspire them to do more than they think they could. And that's when you really get great results from other people is when you motivate and inspire them to do more than they think they could. So that was one of the biggest things that I had to learn. Um, I think another great thing that I learned, uh, 
and this one I de definitely did learn the hard way by making the mistake a few times at first was, you know, in terms of feedback and coaching, you know, you can, you can know so much uh, and you could be right about so many things, but you know, when you do decide to provide feedback or coaching, you really have to be selective and improve your battles. Uh, you can't just go in there guns blazing and show the person how right you are or tell the person the five things they did wrong, even if they were five things that would make a difference. You know, once you tell someone, first of all, you, you should definitely focus on more positive reinforcement than, than any kind of constructive criticism. But when you do, because it's important uh, to correct certain things, when you do, you really have to choose your battles and focus on one or two things and, and really, you know, let those set in before you try to work on other other stuff because you know if it, even me because even i've been in the position of being coached from somebody above me you know you can tell me one or two things that i did wrong and it's like okay great thank you so much but as soon as you keep going and going and going it's like all right like enough's enough and then at that point does it it, it kind of like does it seem like you even really care it feels like you're kind of just putting them at the corner <laughs> yeah now yeah, so that's that's something i would definitely recommend hopefully people avoid right from the beginning so let's stick uh, towards coaching because you've mentioned something really great, like you have to try to stay positive and try to motivate people compared to giving them criticism. Now, would you say there's a big difference between coaching alpha people and between coaching, you know, beta people? That is a great point and a great question. Definitely. I definitely think there is a difference in coaching. And that's something you really have to establish as a leader is understanding who's on your team, what is their personality, what is their, I guess, their mindset. You just have to really know and understand them. Because yes, I think you, I think it would be different. And uh, somebody who's more, you know, A versus B, uh, I would, I've personally never thought of it in that distinction. Now I'm actually going to take a look at that. But uh even just thinking from the past, you know, I know that I've communicated differently. And I think with, uh, you know, A-type people, you probably want to be a little bit more straightforward with them because that's what, you you know, they, you need their respect. And for, for them to respect you, you have to kind of meet them where they are and kind of know your stuff and be confident. And for a type B person, you know, I think it's probably important not to go too fast. Really try to make sure they're comfortable. Uh, make sure that person, especially that, you know, you're not putting them in a corner. That's what I would say, you know, just kind of from my, from my gut and my experience, how I would approach that. I like how you say with, with B, you have to be a little bit more patient as I feel like they're, you know, like I'm not, and again, you listeners, like I'm not trying to say alpha is better than beta, like absolutely not. But be, with the character, I think it's very important because I've seen people like that I've trained before, for example, that might have been beta and there were just because they were not comfortable enough with knowing the services or knowing what they're exactly selling or having the knowledge towards how everything works out so they can be on their best attitude and mindset towards turning to the best salesperson. So it is very important to be patient. Uh, this way you can guide them so they can be as successful as possible. Yeah, now, I would definitely agree. Yeah, absolutely. And then I, I know you went through, you know, like we talked, customer service, I'm sorry, to retail, customer service, sales, sales management. What did you say was one of your biggest teachable moments once you became a leader that you practice to today in order to help your team? 
in terms of teaching my team? Correct. I, th I think one of the things that I had to do as a leader is I really had to loosen up myself. So if you want other people to get the results and feel comfortable as themselves and be open to things, you know, they have to be in a certain state. They have to be loose themselves. They have to feel comfortable. Me as a leader, I think I know right off the bat, I was kind of too, too serious and too formal. I was definitely too caught up in like my manager title. And I think once I kind of just like let that go and just was a little bit more myself, you know, not even afraid to like let the guard down and be silly at times. I definitely started seeing a different connection with the people that I was leading, um, you know, and it was actually pretty amazing. And I've, I've really since that time tried to embrace that approach and it's only led to, to good things for me. Um, so that is something that I definitely know that I had to, I had, to, and that took some time that I had to kind of go through that evolution myself. And now I, I hopefully am encouraging other people to feel as comfortable and feel like themselves and just have a good time and have fun. Like it's not, it's not so serious. So that's, that's like the worst thing in the world, right? Is like when it's like your, your boss or your leader is like taking things, they're, they're just so serious and they don't need to be. Um, uh, yeah. So that's what I would say. I think that also might come from the competitive spirit of yours though, because I mean, I'm a competitive person myself and I get told I'm serious sometimes more than I should be. <laughs> but I think it's also has to do with you being competitive and taking your work really serious instead of loosening up a little bit and, you know, just trying to have fun. You're in this mindset of, I have to win. Like, how can I loosen up and be silly when I have to win? Like that's yeah. how, that's how, what I struggle with sometimes. And it's, it's, I think it's amazing that you're actually bringing this up because not a lot of people even admitted that, you know, that's something that they, they would have struggled with at some point. Yeah, it was definitely one of my biggest kind of quote unquote breakthroughs uh, in the last few years or so. Um, I, Cause I definitely think uh, for a little while, for a good amount of time, I definitely, I think that was that probably a little too serious and uh and and now it's been it's been much more enjoyable and i think i've got uh, i've been able, been able to establish better connections with my team so at the end of the day once you have that foundation you can really go a lot of great places um amazing and then what what about your actual salespeople towards um whenever let's say somebody doesn't meet their quota or i don't know if you do you guys do quota or do you guys have like metrics or stats that you guys work with Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, I, mean, I mean, the main one is quota, but yeah, there's a variety of metrics. <laughs> if let's say somebody is not meeting or let's say I'm your employer, right? You're my leader and I'm just amazing at my job, but for two months I'm slacking hard, like hardcore. Like I'm just not performing whatsoever, but I'm keeping this attitude of like, Oh, I'm still the best. What, what did you, how, how did you help such a, such an agent or such a salesperson towards maybe kind of, getting them back on their A game. Yeah, um, and that happens a lot. That's definitely something you have to deal with as a sales manager. You, you have people that are struggling, uh, that maybe are struggling because they're new, or maybe they're struggling uh, because they're disengaged. So I think the first step is really looking at the situation. You know, obviously who's somebody who it's their first two months and they're missing quota is a very different situation than somebody who you know, had been a great performer for a year and then now suddenly they missed two months in a row. It's like, you know, there's, there's probably something wrong. You know, you know, they have the ability. And if you, you know, I, one of the best books that I ever read 
in terms of uh, management was situa uh, Situational Leadership by Ken Blanchard. It's a little bit of an old school book, but it really breaks down a really simple model that I think I've had in the back of my mind uh, ever since I read it. And it, and it kind of is just, you know, it breaks, breaks performance down to four quadrants, but the, the main two are, is it motivation or is it ability? And mm. if you can really like stop and focus and think on that question, like, is it their motivation or is it their ability? Then you can tell your approach, it, uh, you know, accordingly, because if it's ability, it's, you really need to focus on more education and more training and more role play, more shadowing, uh, more spending time with them. But if it's ability, you could do all of those things. And then actually you're just going to be beating your head against the wall. And you might even make the situation worse because the person can only do it, but they're, they might be disengaged or unmotivated for some other reason. But then by treating them like someone who doesn't have the ability, then you actually get yourself into an even bigger hole. So you know, that's, that's a, that's a, at least where I start and then kind of go from there. I like that. I like how you broke it down because it is an ability or it is a motivation thing. I actually never, what was the name of the book? Yeah. So the book is called, I'll give you the full title in case anyone wants to check it out. It's called Leadership and the One Minute Manager by Ken Blanchard. Ken Blanchard? Yep. Ken Blanchard. I have not heard of that book before, but I wrote it down. And for you listeners, I'll go ahead and put that in the details as well. And before I jump to your blog, which I think it's amazing, um, I have a, a last question about leadership. I feel like this would be very helpful for the, uh, for the listeners too, especially for those on sales or even on just managers overall, because what I see also happening often, it's let's say the company decides to hire 30 people, right? And then on those 30 people, we have five people that are just alphas. They're coming to the department. They just want to be the best. They're so competitive. They're overwhelming your current agents. They're alphas or they're like the highest competitive. So it turns into this unfriendly environment sometimes, unfortunately, I would say. <laughs> How do you control that? So this way you can motivate both parties and it doesn't turn into, because comp com competition is good because, you know, everybody's going to work harder. But how can you avoid that um, negative competition sometimes in such situations? Yeah, and that's a great, that really is a great question because that does happen a lot um, on sales teams. And it's another thing that a, you know, a manager or a potential leader would have to deal with. And it's something that I've dealt with as well. Um, you know, to answer that question, I think the main thing overall is you really just have to con constantly keep reinforcing the concept that it's a team. And what I mean by that is like, you have to be very mindful of how you act. You cannot as a manager or leader show favoritism. Even if the person is like your number one salesperson, even if they're crushing it, you know, the company can show favoritism in terms of, of course, like, hey, they're gonna make more money. They're gonna get recognition and awards. But you as the manager, if you're responsible for managing and leading that group of people, you, you really have to make sure that you're reinforcing the concept of a team and that everyone is important. So, and there's a lot of little ways you can do that, but I think the biggest thing is the example you set when you spend time with them. So one of the things I'll do is like, I won't, you know, I won't allow like, like, you know, the kind of toxicity where, uh, you know, you can kind of just feel like there's little factions or one person feels like they're too good to hang out or spend time with other people, whether it's a meeting or whether it's an informal setting. And 
you know, just truthfully, like the smallest thing, one of the smallest things that I will do to kind of combat that is as simple as it sounds, you know, one of the first things that I do with a team when I come to see them um, is I'll, is I'll eat with them. I'll eat a meal with them. You know, we'll, we'll get food, but everyone's invited. And that's, that's on purpose. That's making a point that everyone is important and everyone is a part of that team. And if, and if, you know, if they refuse to, to get together, um, or if anyone thinks they're too good, then, you know, then we'll figure out kind of like what exactly is the issue, but that's a good, that's a good opportunity to now talk about the importance of acting as a team and having a, you know, an environment that really makes, gives the opportunity for everyone to, to thrive. And, you know, of course you're going to have your A players and your B players and your C players, but, you know, you, you really need to make sure that everyone is feeling a part of something and feeling that they're contributing and making sure that at least their wins, even, even if they're not as big as, as some of the other, another person's wins, making sure you're still celebrating their wins as well. Thank you for sharing that. And something that I feel like, so, okay, this might sound very silly, but here's also another method because you were talking about, you know, grabbing a bike with them so you kind of get to know them better and everything. Here's a method that um, I learned recently. Somebody else shared this with me. A good way to also see how good of a communicator and uh, problem, you know, solution oriented somebody is. If you sit down with them, or let's say you have a team of like 10 people, brand new, right? And you just order food delivery for them. Order yep. the wrong food for them. And mm. see if they would even realize it. And when they do realize it, see if they make a big deal out of it or find a solution and kind of just switch. Let's say if you're getting sandwiches, switch sandwiches with each other or things like that. I actually had somebody tell me this and that was their point towards deciding who was going to be the new <laughs> original manager for the company. They had two candidates. So they did that. And one person didn't even recognize it. For example, they just ate their sandwich and they went about their day. The other one recognized it and said, Oh, this is the wrong thing. It's okay. I'll eat this anyways. I love it. I really do. I really, that's, I'm going to have to try that. <laughs> Yeah, I can't wait to try it too. So when you said sit down with them, I'm like, I have yeah. to share this. I think it's a great method to to test somebody, like to just. I, yeah, no, I think that's I think it's amazing because what you'll see is if it's if it's like the person if it's all about them if it's like if they get so you know if, if the person gets upset or can't find an easy solution, um, you know, you kind of know it's all about me with that person or you know it could be, but that's that's one of the things I've seen and and sometimes when teams go astray is, is the successful, it's not necessarily always the successful performer, but it's the successful performer combined with the kind of personality or mentality where it's all about them. And also make sure you ask for allergies, guys, just saying. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of like, you know, I'm trying to kill somebody, but ask for allergies. I think that's also important. Just throw that question there whenever you, you know, you're making the order. <laughs> I want to hear stories now, whoever practices this. I think it'd be a, kind of funny and you know storytelling turnarounds for this <laughs> yeah absolutely now michael let's talk a little bit about your blog um i think it's amazing because you look at every situation like you look at what's going on around the world or a certain show and you analyze it from uh, i would say from a negotiation and from an, a very different analytical point of view and that's what actually triggered me towards uh, reading more and connecting more with you. I was like, this, 
he's actually really smart the way he's analyzing everything. How did this blog idea started about? Can you tell us about that? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I'm a, I'm a big reader. And once I got into sales, started reading sales books. Once I got into sales management, started reading management and leadership books. And a certain point came and I kind of felt like I read everything. Um, and I eventually stumbled upon negotiation books. And I found it absolutely fascinating as a topic. And I found it very helpful as well as a manager because, you know, as a manager, you have to get things done through people. And, you know, you don't necessarily like, yeah, you have formal authority, but people, you know, just because you have the title doesn't mean people are actually going to do things and do them the way you would want them to do. And also as a manager, you know, you kind of have to sometimes, you know, negotiate with your superiors to get certain things, to get resources, to get your ideas implemented. Then you have, you know, other colleagues who are not over you or under you, but kind of lateral to you that you also need. So you can't necessarily rely on your authority the same way you would when, when you're talking to one of your quote unquote subordinate team members. Terrible word, but just for the description right now, I'll use it. Um, yeah, so I, I found that really interesting and really applicable um, and definitely helped with sales and closing as well. And eventually, then I was reading through negotiation books and there was just certain topics that kept popping up um, that dealt with influence and persuasion and psychology. And ultimately you kind of, you kind of find that all roads, when you start studying those topics, influence, persuasion, psychology, negotiation, you kind of find that all roads lead to social psychology. And social psychology is the combination uh, of course of psychology, but also soci sociology. I always have a hard time saying that word. And it looks at the psychology of what happens when two or more people interact versus normal psychologists can just be one person on their own interacting with the environment versus like another person. And reading that is really what kind of inspired me to start a blog and start kind of analyzing and just, just looking at these different situations in a, in a different way and trying to reveal that, that kind of so, that in, interesting social psychology that was pretty much always there under the surface. Would you say that has helped you though, uh, not just on your work, but also on your personal life? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. It really has. Um, you know, we're, we're always communicating and we're always, uh, of course, like interacting with people and in our personal lives, you know, those relationships are our most important people. And there's always potential for conflict, whether it's with family or you have a spouse or a partner. Um, you know, even if it's not negative, even if it's not negative conflict, then there's, you know, maybe you're trying to influence or persuade them to do something. And I just think understanding how people think when they're in certain situations really can help you approach the situation in the right way or just not make some really terrible mistakes. That is so true, though, because you I, correct me, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is at least this is how I see it. Once I got into the sales world and once I got into the actual persuasion psychology behind it, trying to get to understand the other party, um, I feel like even when I'm on a conversation with a friend, I feel like your brain analyzes it different than what you would before. It's not any more more of a this is a conversation this is more why do they think like this what would be the best way i can reply to make them feel better because they're going through this like it's a lot that goes on in your mind does this happen with you too 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Probably too much. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, my goodness. And then what is, is there an, uh, a new project that you're working towards? A new and exciting project that you're working uh, towards that you'd like to share with us? Yeah. So, I mean, the, the new project that I would that I would like to talk about um, is, you know, my kind of second sales job uh, that I recently uh, started during this whole pandemic period is um, I work with a group called KO Advantage Group, and that's based out of Canada. And uh, what we do is it's basically a comprehensive 12 week virtual sales training for business owners and entrepreneurs. And, you know, the whole goal is, is really not just to be sales trained that is kind of like fly by night, give them a one day seminar and think everything's going to be okay. It's like really spending time and investing in a relationship um, to make sure that people are really learning, but also like applying and practicing the stuff they need to start becoming better at sales, better at driving revenue um, and scaling the businesses. So that's very exciting for me. And I'm excited to be a, uh, excited to be a part of that team and, and we should have some big things happening in, in uh, 2020 and 2021. That's exciting. I would love to hear the successful stories for that because it is like once you get to know, once you get to learn how to communicate better, you know, actually put to practice what you learn, not just, you know, take the theory, but actually practice it as well. It's like the 2.0 version of you. So that, yeah. I'm excited and like, I, I know it's going to be a lot of successful stories for that. So I'm excited for this new project of yours. And where, uh, Michael, where can people connect with you if they want to have a virtual coffee or if they want to take one of those courses? Where can people connect with you? Yeah, we'd be happy for uh, happy to connect with anyone. The easiest place is definitely LinkedIn. Uh, Mike Macchiarelli, if you just type that in. And uh also my blog, if you want to check that out, uh, if that sounds interesting to you, that is savingface.blog. Uh, just like it sounds, savingface.blog. <laughs> just like it sounds. <laughs> <laughs> and we are coming to the end of the conversation, you guys. I wish I didn't have to because I just love talking about sales. I mean, that's kind of like my, my uh, I would say, heavy land. I can talk about sales and negotiation all day. I just think it's a, it's a very wide world. And I don't feel like we'll ever discover everything from it, but it's like the more you learn, like it just opens a new horizon. <laughs> Absolutely. I feel the same way. Um, Michael, what is your personal definition of success? So my personal definition of success, uh, I'll, I'll, I actually like to focus on five values that I have, and that is personal development, excellence, service, abundance and integrity i think if you can bring those five three uh things into your life uh and apply them on a consistent basis you will be successful i like it those are something that you can practice personally professionally those are five qualities that i like it thank you <laughs> any uh any last thing you'd like to share with our listeners um no i i uh, this has been great uh you know, would love to uh, have have a chat again and talk more about sales negotiation. But for any of the listeners, uh, you know, as Romina said, it's a it's a wide world, and uh, I guess just keep reading. There's so many good authors, so many good uh, thought leaders out there that you know, there's really no way to 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 take it all in. Um, but you know, just uh, be passionate. Be passionate about what you do. That's very important. That's that's uh that's a big thing that is going to keep you going. <laughs>
<laughs> well, Michael, thank you so much for being a part of the RM Podcast FL. And for all my lovely listeners, make sure to connect with Mike. I'll go ahead and uh, attach his LinkedIn information on the details. So if you're feeling lazy, don't want to type in the whole name. Just click away, guys. <laughs> I mean, it could be easier than that. Just click it. Okay. Click it. Connected. Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for listening to RM Podcast FL. Make sure to tune in every Tuesday to awesome episodes just like this one. Thank you, Mike. Hope you have a great, great rest of the day. You too. Thanks, Romina.